This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling along, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Al Michaels, the legend, will join me on the Goodyear Hotline coming up in a half hour. We're doing Legends Week, which is now spilling over into next week. We came up with enough legends that we're going to continue the party next week. So we will have more voices than even we expected to. But the great Al Michaels will join us coming up here shortly. And I want to work my way back to the Wilt Chamberlain thing in just a moment. But I will set it up with this. I was reading. I didn't get to see... The game between the Nets and the Spurs last night. I had some stuff I was doing, but I I enjoy watching the Nets play right now. Uh, They've just made it fun. The Nets have made games. The NBA needs games that feel like events. And the Nets, if you watch the Nets, to me, they feel like their games have become a little bit like an event. And I'm very impressed with what we're seeing from James Harden. Harden has just taken it upon himself to be the point guard, to get everybody involved, and obviously can still fill it up when they need him to, like nobody's business. So last night, in a game that they won in overtime against San Antonio, Harden wound up becoming the first player ever to have 30 points, 15 assists, and 10 rebounds in a game in which he had zero turnovers. Zero turnovers for James Harden and over 30 points, 15 assists. He actually had 14 rebounds in this game. And Kyrie Irving when asked about it, replied with a smile, said, get used to it. That's what he said, get used to it. And I have made the comment on this show, and not just this one, but on the old show and on Get Up multiple times, James Harden puts up some numbers that are almost Chamberlain-like. He puts up numbers that you never otherwise see. And my adjective for that is they're kind of like Wilt Chamberlain. And then Hembo sent me a packet yesterday And I realize I need to never say those words again. (laughs) So, Wilt Chamberlain, for those of you just joining me here, Wilt Chamberlain, today's the 59th anniversary of Chamberlain scoring 100 points in a game. And we did our list of records that'll never be broken, and I put that on the list. And so, Hembo, who, again, is my vice president in charge of statistics, sent me a whole bunch of Chamberlain stats just because he thought it would make the conversation a little better. And as I read them last night, I will acknowledge over a glass of wine or two, I found myself thinking, Will Chamberlain's numbers, he really does, he should have his own record book. There should be the NBA record book, and there should be Chamberlain's record book. So let me just give you a couple of them, and and this is not going to do justice, the number that we have, but we just don't have all day to do this. But Will Chamberlain led the NBA in points seven times, in rebounds 11 times, and once in assists, He is the only seven-footer in history to average more than four assists a game for his career. When he retired, he was sixth all-time in assists. Again, no one else has ever averaged more than four. He led the league in that category one year. That's an overlooked and important number. But then they get ridiculous. Wilt Chamberlain scored at least 3,000 points in three straight seasons. The rest of the NBA in history, has one 
such season. Michael Jordan scored 3,000 points in a season once. That's it. No one else ever did it in the entire history of the sport. Chamberlain did it in three straight years. He averaged 50 points a game over a span of 117 games. No other player has ever done it over a span of 10. Let me say that again. No player has ever gone 10 consecutive games averaging 50 points a game. Chamberlain did it over a span of 117 games. To that point, he averaged 50 points in a calendar month seven different times. No other player has ever done it once. He's the only player in history to average 35 points and 20 rebounds in any season. He did it in his first five years. Each of his first five years. He went 15 of 15 from the floor or better three times in his career. No other player has done it even once. He grabbed 55 rebounds in a game in 1960, the most in a game in NBA history. The opposing center in that game was Bill Russell. I could go on. But the point that I find myself at is the following. And I can tell you, I've told you this many times. I hear my father in my head sometimes. And my father was not around for most of these Mount Rushmore discussions that we've been having. That's a relatively new phenomenon. But I've been saying for a while now that my Mount Rushmore in basketball history is... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he's the most accomplished player of all time. Bill Russell because he's the greatest winner of all time. Michael Jordan because he's the greatest player of all time. And then the fourth one is the one you can debate. And I have put LeBron there. I believe he is deserving of that. But if you wanted to make an argument for Magic Johnson, you could. If you wanted to make an argument for Oscar Robertson, you could. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, how do we leave off Wilt? Like, what are we using to justify that? He was so ridiculously dominant. Like, in my lifetime watching the sport, the most dominant big man was Shaq. Now, he wasn't the best big man. Shaq is not the best center I ever saw. I don't put him, I don't put him on the list of all-time great centers that I watched in my lifetime. I'm not old enough to have seen Wilt, and I'm not old enough to have seen Russell. But on the list of centers I've seen, I would put him behind Jabbar. I believe I would put him behind Elijah Wong. And I don't know how you quantify Duncan. I always think of Duncan as a four. But the point is Shaq, when he was at his best, was the most dominant player I ever saw. And he won three straight finals MVPs and one regular season MVP. But these numbers are ludicrous. Just ludicrous. So the question here, and let me ask this to Bubba because, you know, Bubba, my disheveled board operator, Bubba, you are, among other things, a noted basketball historian and are actually being considered for uh, membership in the Basketball Hall of Fame for the intense work that you've done in diving into basketball numbers. Why is it that we do not, I do not have Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time list of the four greatest players? Should he be Bubba? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason you don't is because you're not a true basketball historian like myself. Right. And yes, you should have him on there, so get your act together so immediately. I, I actually wonder now if I have to. Like, do you have to? Here's, here's the question, because we all do these, because it's fun. I mean, this is the, the, the core of what I do for a living, and the reason you hang out with me as you do is because this is just fun to talk about. It's much more fun to talk about this than it is to talk about a lot of the other things that go on in our world. So my question to you, and I don't have time to take calls on this now, but I do want to do this tomorrow. Nuno, bookmark this, and I want to do it tomorrow. If Will Chamberlain isn't on our list of the four greatest players of all time, why not? Like, why don't I have him there? I need you to explain to me why I don't have him there. 
Because I have somehow decided that it is acceptable not to have Chamberlain on this list. And now, for the life of me, I can't make up my own mind how I decided that. But his numbers are so ridiculous that no one else is even close. I didn't even mention my favorite season in NBA history, which was the 61-62 season. He averaged 50 points and 26 rebounds per game, and he averaged 48 and a half minutes per game. He averaged more minutes per game than there are minutes in a game. It's because he played every minute of every game and all the overtimes. The only eight minutes he missed that entire season were after he got ejected. He was not substituted out of a game the entire season. (laughs) At no point did they take him out of a game the entire year. Again, he averaged over 48 minutes per game. Imagine someone doing that now or ever. So we have to make up our minds. If he's not on our Mount Rushmore, why the hell not? We'll talk about that. We have the great Al Michaels getting set to join us as we continue. We'll take your phone calls on that tomorrow. I definitely want to set aside some time for that. But we have to get to the latest on the quarterback, Coruscant, because it is extremely significant today. That is next. I am Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. And again, coming up in 15 minutes, the legendary Vern Lundquist on the Goodyear hotline kicking off Legendary Voices Week. We have Vern today, Al Michaels tomorrow, Costas Wednesday, Doc Emmerich Thursday, and Jim Nance on Friday. And if you miss any of this, a reminder for you here that uh, while I would love you to hang out with me two hours every single day, I understand you have a life to lead, so you can always catch up with the podcast. They take each hour of this show, they turn them into two individual one-hour podcasts. It is called Hashtag Greenie. It's available anywhere you get your podcasts, and uh, you can check it out anytime you would like. We also bring you every day a fascinating stat. 
which is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And today's fascinating stat is about a young man who celebrated a birthday yesterday. Luka Doncic turned 22 years old. And did you know that on Luka's 22nd birthday, he averages more rebounds, more assists, and only one fewer point per game than LeBron James did when he, LeBron, turned 22. Both of them came into the league super young. LeBron came in at 18. That was before one and done. Luka came in at 19, came over from Europe. He has been playing professionally in Europe for a very long time. Obviously, he had in that regard a little bit of a head start. But for whatever it is worth, the numbers that Luka has put up at age 22, turning 22 yesterday, suggest that he is on a trajectory unlike practically anything we've ever seen in the NBA. And that is what brought us to today's Green List. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, the list is fun. It is my top five, this, that, or the other, voted on exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters. And today, the list is the top five players you would choose if you were starting an NBA franchise and could pick from every human being walking the face of planet Earth. Number five. And five is Giannis. And as recently as I want to say a year ago, he probably would have been everybody's number one. And he would have probably been mine. He's 26. He's got back-to-back MVPs. Here's the question. Have we seen a tiny little bit of an Achilles heel in Giannis? And again, you're nitpicking. I mean, he's a brilliant player. Brilliant. Any team in the NBA would lose their minds to have him, and I love him, and I love him staying in Milwaukee, and I love the enthusiasm with which he plays, and I love the dedication in the offseason. I love everything about the kid. But the question is, in the playoffs, one of the most important qualities you can have is, can I put the ball in your hands in a tight game, in a big spot in the fourth quarter, and can you engineer a basket for my team? On every possession. On every possession for yourself or for someone else. And the answer to that question with Giannis has proven to be no. He doesn't shoot the three the way others do right now. He requires help getting the ball in big spots. Their offense has bogged down in the playoffs two years ago when they were supposed to make it to the final. We saw that happen against Toronto. It was unsightly and unwatchable, frankly. So I think that's the only question mark. It's not an insult to say he's the fifth best player on this list. But I think a year ago, he would have been number one. Number four. Four is Nikola Jokic. Jokic gets less attention pound for pound than any other great player in the sport because he plays in Denver and because he plays this incredibly unflashy style. He's 26 years old. He has 49 triple doubles in his career. That's only three behind James Harden. He's a center. He's a center who puts up triple doubles like James Harden. Oh, by the way, he averages 25 points, 11 boards, and 7 assists in the playoffs. For his career, he averages 18 points, 10 boards, 6 assists, and shoots 53% from the floor. He does stroke it from downtown. He is a great passing big man. He's a great passing anything man. He's a great player. If you wanted to argue for him to be higher on this list, you wouldn't get a fight out of me. Number three. But I couldn't put him any better than four. Jason Tatum is three. When I asked Jalen about this on TV this morning... He hesitated before not putting Jason Tatum number one. Tatum will be 23 years old this month. In the last two years, he's averaged 24 points, shot 52% from the floor, seven boards. Playoffs, he averages 21 points and seven boards. 
came in after one year at Duke, carried that Duke team, came into the NBA, and when they made that run, when Boston made that run a few years ago without Kyrie in the playoffs, you saw he put his signature on that. Jason Tatum has MVP talent. He is an MVP of the league waiting to happen. Some question about the dynamics on that team. A lot of questions about the coach on that team at this point. They're a 500 team that feels like there should be so much better than that. But it does not diminish Tatum. Tatum's greatness is, I believe, unquestioned. His ceiling is limitless. Tatum is three on my list of players you would start a team with right now based on age and everything else. Number two. But two is Zion. And Zion, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Why is it we talked about him nonstop when he wasn't playing and now that he's playing great and living up to everything they had hoped for, no one's talking about him. Zion is the forgotten man. Zion Williamson is 20 years old. He's two years younger than Luka. His career averages averages 24 points and seven rebounds, and that includes a season in which they load-managed him into oblivion. This year, he's averaging over 25 points and shooting over 60% from the floor. There are only two players that have ever done that in a season, Charles Barkley and Kevin McHale. So Zion, with the energy, with the dynamic athleticism, with the infectious personality, with the ability to shoot it, at least you can't leave him wide open from three. He's everything that we hoped he'd be. And yet people seem to forget him. Is that because he's playing in New Orleans? Is that because the team isn't very good? Is that, I don't know what it is. But for whatever reason, Zion Williamson is spectacular. Now, the ability to stay healthy for 10 years remains a question. And, and I'm worried about it. But he's played every game so far this year. And he's looking good. And so he is number two. Number one. But one is Luka. Luka Doncic, again, the day after his 22nd birthday. He's one of two players in NBA history with 4,000 points and 1,000 assists before turning 22. LeBron is the other. Luka is just, he's just special. There's no part of the game at which he does not excel. I guess you could question the defensive end of the floor. But that feels like a decreasingly important part of this conversation. You start a team with Luka and then you figure it out from there. He is number one on the green list today of players you would start a franchise with. Names that we left off the list include Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, Bam Adebayo, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, Trey Young, Joel Embiid, and Anthony Davis. And in our first hour when I did this topic, I got an outstanding call from someone who said, Greeny, why aren't you considering LeBron James? And the reality is, do we believe at this stage, we are at a place now where at the age of 36, we think LeBron James can stay at this level for four more years. Can he possibly do this at 40? It's unimaginable. You wouldn't have even think, I didn't even think of him. Like his name never even entered my mind when I was putting the list together. And then the caller said that, and I said to myself, you know, Life has changed. This stuff has changed. Maybe we do have to consider it. Fascinating stuff. The legend, Vern Lundquist, kicks off Legendary Voices Week with me live next. Don't miss it. ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. The moments and the voices behind them. Maybe. Yes, sir! Pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? This is Legendary Voices Week with Greeny. Coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. And that's a voice I don't even need to tell you what his name is, as we will have several, one each day over the course of this week of the most legendary voices in the history of sports. Their play-by-play courtesy for all of those was CBS Sports. And the unmistakable voice belongs to the legendary Vern Lundquist, who's good enough to spend some time with us. Hello again, Vern Lundquist. Hello to you. Uh, it, it is a pleasure. We had, for those who listen to my podcast, I had the distinct privilege of spending about 45 minutes with you going over a lot of this ground earlier or I guess it was last year at this point and when we decided to do the legendary voices week I said those stories were so good we need to tell them to the entire audience and so we're delighted to have you back at my age I hope I can remember them (laughs) (laughs) okay well here's what I discovered as when I did the little bit of research that was necessary to interview Vern Lundquist several months ago I realized that you literally have been at everything. You are, in that regard, sort of the Forrest Gump of sports. So let us go through (laughs) some of the legendary events, and we'll get in as many as we can in the time that we have. What I had not remembered was that you were the local play-by-play voice of the Dallas Cowboys in the 70s, the legendary Landry America's team, Dallas Cowboys, a team that did as much to put football into the place that it currently occupies in our consciousness today as any team ever has. So when people ask you, what's your one overwhelming or abiding memory of that team, that group, that era, what's the story that jumps to mind? Well, I, I think Grimmy, uh, <clears throat> the fact that I was the same age as the guys who were prominent players then, <clears throat> and, uh, in a very real sense we've remained friends a, a core cluster of them and we've all grown old together and i'm still in touch with many of those guys uh i texted drew pearson when when he was uh, recently selected uh, into the hall of fame uh i'm doing an event with roger staubach we have dinner together at least once a year he and marianne and nancy and i uh, i'm still close with calvin hill and uh not not so close to Mel Renfro because we moved away from Steamboat to Steamboat Springs, oh gosh, thirty five years ago. Uh, but we get back to Texas periodically, so that is the that is the lasting meaning for me. Now, as as for single events, it's hard to pick out, but I would go all all the way back to my first year, boys. I was the pre and post game host, and. Uh, uh, I made the charter trip to Green Bay, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. 
and uh, <laughs> things were so much simpler then. Uh, Chuck Lane, who was a PR director of uh, of the Packers, and I were friends, and I called him, and I said, Coach Lombardi is going to do a press conference for Dallas media only on Thursday before the Saturday game. So we all flew up. And there were only eight, ten of us in the room, along with Coach Lombardi. And I had arranged with Chuck to have Coach Lombardi come down on the field at Lambeau to do an interview. And he had agreed to it. So when the conversation with the writers, the written media, was completed, uh, I looked at Chuck. And Chuck moved over to Coach Lombardi. And he pointed to me and said, uh, you need to go downstairs in the elevator with Vern. And Coach Lombardi looked at me and said, I'm not going to do it. Hmm. And I said, dear God, I've come all this way. And, you are you know, I've got a photographer down there. They promoted the heck out of this back home at Channel 8, WFAA. Uh, yeah, please. And he stood up and he said abruptly, as he could speak abruptly, uh, I don't do television without my coat and tie. And I said, Coach, if it would make you feel more comfortable, I'll, I'll go in a T-shirt. <laughs> but we need to go down and do this. And so he walked out of the room and I pleaded with Chuck and he said, I'll be right back. Lombardi comes back five minutes later. He says, okay, let's go get this done. So we descended the elevator. Jack Murray, my photographer was waiting and he started rolling a film, no tape back then, uh, as soon as we came out on the field. So we were set to go. And the topic of most of our five-minute conversation was the recent installation of an electric grid <laughs> under Lambeau Field so that this field would never freeze. Well, I woke up 7.30. I had a wake-up call 7.30 at the Northland Inn in Green Bay, and the operator very nicely said, Good morning, Mr. Lundquist. It's sunny and 13 degrees below zero. <laughs> Uh, the field, the field froze, and that, that the, the legendary ice bowl. We lost a little tiny bit of the conversation at the very beginning, but just to be clear, that's the ice bowl game we're talking about to this day. Still, the coldest game ever played in NFL history, and and, one, and I mean a one-on-one interview with Lombardi back in the day. Greeny with you with the great Vern Lundquist from above the Heineken River deck at Pier Seventeen. All right, let's move along because I want to get in as many as we can. Because you've called every famous game ever. The Duke-Kentucky college basketball game, the the legendary Leitner game, I think many people will say it's the greatest game ever played in the history of basketball. What's the one thing you remember most vividly about it? Well, uh, the end of it, as a matter of fact. Uh, And I'll try and be as brief as I can because I've got so many vivid memories of that game. I Mm -hmm. worked it with Lenny Elmore. And Leslie Visser, the legendary Leslie Visser, was our sideline reporter. And Kaywood Ledford, the great basketball voice of Kentucky, had announced prior to the season that whenever Kentucky lost, that would be his last game. Assuming they went to the national championship game and won, great finish. But he was just such a humble guy. And so revered in Kentucky. Leslie was 20 feet away from him for the last six minutes of regulation and all of overtime to tell his story. And the game was so compelling, we never got it on. So the first thing is, I remember 
when Mike Krzyzewski went out to celebrate with his players, instead of going over to the Duke radio booth, broadcast row, he peeled back to his left and went directly to Kaywood Ledford. Now, Kaywood was one row behind us and maybe 15 feet away. So I get to witness this whole thing. And Mike went on the air with Kaywood to the state of Kentucky to thank him for all he had done mm. for basketball in his state and throughout the country. And I, I just thought it was such a gracious gesture. And if you will, the other part of this is that back in 1972, on October 5th, as a matter of fact, uh, Calvin Hill, I mentioned, we were good friends. He and Janet, his wife, they were expecting. Turns out their only child. But Calvin, I, I, we talked during her pregnancy, and I said, when she gives birth, give me a call. Because I'd like to, and he was an icon in Dallas. He still is. And I would like to announce your child's birth on my local television show. It's Friday at noon. He called me and he said, Janet gave birth last night to Grant Henry Hill. Hmm. So that night, uh, 10 o'clock, I, I mentioned that. And on Sunday, the Cowboys played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Calvin Hill, with a minute to go in the game, rolled out to his right, pulled up, and threw a halfback pass, 50 yards. Ron Sellers diving in the end zone, grabbed it. Cowboys won. Now, come forward 20 years, 1992. And here is this little baby, now grown to a six-foot, eight-inch All-American, named Calvin Hill throwing the ball inbounds to uh, to Kristen Leitner. Uh, a slight curve on the pass, but Leitner found it, had the presence of mind with 2.1 seconds to go to go up and, and hit the shot. Hmm. And in the rapturous enthusiasm of the moment, I looked over behind the bench, and there were Calvin and Janet Hill. And they had just watched their 20-year-old son complete uh, the end of a miraculous game. So I was able to tell that story on the air. And and a year later, no, 20 years later, we were at a seminar in New York. And I told this, I was in a seminar with Bill Raftery, Steve Smith from Michigan State, and Calvin and, and Grant. And I told that story to the, to the audience. And Grant came up to me. He said, I didn't know that. And I said, yeah, it, was, it happened. So the next day, I bumped into him. He says, I talked to my mom last night, and she said, yes, you really did. I said, Grant, did you think I was lying to you? <laughs> yeah. It really happened. So uh, memories of the Cowboys the, the legend, and, and the Leitner. And the Leitner game. The Leitner game, but to you, the Grant Hill game. The great Vern Lundquist is with me here kicking yeah, off that's true. Legendary Voices Week. Okay, the other thing that I had not realized before I interviewed you a few months ago is that you – in the mm -hmm. Olympics in 1994, were the voice of figure skating for Nancy Car Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Inarguably the most famous event of the Olympics, the most infamous Olympic event of our generation. What do you remember the most about Tanya and Nancy? Well, uh, the buildup, I guess. Uh, the incident... The injurious incident happened to Nancy Kerrigan uh, on January 6, 1994. Uh, Scott Hamilton, Tracy Wilson, and I, our three commentators, were guests. Uh, we were observers 
at the U.S. National Figure Skating Championships in Detroit. And that was the morning uh, on which Shane Stant, this, uh, this thug, uh, at the insistence of Tanya Hardy's uh, former husband, had attacked uh, Nancy Kerrigan, whacked her over the thigh with a, an iron bar in attempts to break her leg and get her unable to compete. And from that moment on, Nancy was given six weeks to prove she could compete. She did. They kicked Tanya off the team. She sued. She got placed back on. And the buildup, Mike, was unlike, whoops, I'm learning how to use this thing. We got it. Vert is on the FaceTime, and you it's working just fine. Finger over, yeah, I can't put your finger over All the good. No, it, no problems. Okay, the buildup was. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> but but the buildup was just unbelievable and, and culminated. And this seems impossible to believe. Last night, we watched 60 Minutes. Mm -hmm. And on 60 Minutes last night were two colleagues who were in the arena when Nancy and Tanya skated together in their first practice in Lillehammer. Susan Spencer and Martha Teichner. And that, this enormous buildup happened for six weeks. And then uh, they were both cleared to, to compete. Uh, on the day of that practice, uh, Connie Chung, who co-anchored the Evening News with, with Dan Rather, uh, prior to the practice, had flown to Portland and anchored the CBS Evening News from the ice rink where Tanya Harding was practicing. Mm. Now, let's do a little reality check on that. <laughs> uh, gee whiz. And on the day of the practice, Scott, Tracy, and I were sitting in our little cubicle at Northern Lights Hall in Hamar. We were about 30 miles south of Lillehammer. And in the arena, there were 400 journalists media, written written guys, uh, writers, who were given access. We were the only radio television outlet that had access to the, to the arena. Uh, these 400 were over interviewing Nancy's uh, uh, coach, two coaches, Evie and Mary Scottfold. And I looked around the ring, Scott and I did, and we counted six CBS correspondents and respected news team. Susan Spencer, Martha Teichner, Bill Geist, uh, Mark Phillips, John Blackstone, uh, one more I'm getting, I'm forgetting, and right below us, uh, Connie Chung, uh, getting ready to co-anchor the evening news. And Scott looked at me and he said, someone has really lost perspective mm. because some, some, some of these kids have lived all their life in hopes of pursuing a medal at the Olympics, and it's just last in this, it's, it's forgotten in this cartoon show. So, and then to add the little sprite from Nyepo Petrovsk, Ukraine, hmm. Oksana Bayul uh, sneaked in and threw in an extra triple jump at the end and beat Nancy Kerrigan by one tenth of one point. It's extraordinary. I'll not, for those of us old enough to remember it, you never forget it. Greeny and the great Vern Lundquist. One more for you because we're going to run out of time, and there's no way I could not ask you about my favorite sport, and that is the Masters for so many years. And we heard the legendary calls there. We heard in your life, have you ever seen anything like that when Tiger had that ball that sat on the lip at 16 and finally fell in? And we heard, yes, sir. 
when Jack Nicholas rolls in that putt on his way to winning the Masters in 86. How, how would you describe what the Masters means to people who love it and what it has meant to you in your career? Well, I've been so blessed. I, I went for the first time in 1983, uh, with the exception of two years, 97 and 98. Uh, I took a hiatus and went to went to Turner Broadcasting. We had lost the NFL. So I was absent for those two years. But otherwise, I'm coming up in August, in April on my th- 36th. Uh, I, I I get asked all which is the two which is of the two is your favorite and I I I always defer and I think it's age specific to Jack. Uh, I mean he is six months older than I am and I hope he stays that way for another twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've talked about that moment. Uh, uh, I know Tiger much less uh, intimately than I do Jack. Um, but Tiger and I have mentioned it. Uh, I'm not an autograph collector. I bet you aren't either, but I do have signed autographs, uh, from both of those uh, guys at that moment. I'm very proud to have them. And, uh, my nephews will inherit those. Nancy and I don't have kids when the time comes, but, uh, if you've got two minutes, I'll try the tiger thing. Mike, I think I've told you this before. I'm not sure. Uh, how we covered that was was the, the result of a courageous decision by our technical director, a guy named Norm Patterson. Now, the way it works in the front of a television production truck, producer to the left, director in the center, TD to the right. At Augusta, there are 54 monitors in front of them. Uh, Steve Milton, the, the director, calls the shots. Uh, he directs take camera six, okay, ready six, take camera six, and Norm Patterson punches a button. In this case, Bob Wishney was next to me in the tower, and it was take camera 10. That's Bob Wishney. Okay, take 10. And he had Tiger with the chip shot all the way down, and when it started to to roll to a stop, Steve Milton said, ready six, and six was over here, it was a flanker camera who had a, uh, head-to-shoulder shots of Tiger for the reaction. And he said, ready six. And as the ball stopped, Steve said, take six. And Norm Patterson intuitively did not take six. He stayed with 10, so we all got to draw, see the ball drop. Had, and that's a fireable offense to ignore the direct command of a television director, but he took it upon himself. And obviously uh, it worked out miraculously for all of you at home and all of us who were there. Otherwise we never would have seen that ball go in the hole. How long did it sit on that lip, Vern? 1.8 seconds. 1.8 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) An advertising age estimated that the accrued value of that exposure to Nike was $19 million. (laughs) Pretty good rate if you can get it. And, and growing. <laughs> <laughs> Vern, I can't tell you, again, the entire, all of these stories in greater length are on my podcast, which is available anywhere that you get your podcast. It's called I'm Interested, and we did a lengthy interview, and I'm so thrilled to kick off this week with you. The very best to your family, and I do hope we can do this again soon. Thank you so much, Vern. Thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure. 
The best. Just the best. Fern Lundquist, the legendary voice, and I didn't even get a chance to ask him here. Again, on the... He's a difficult one because there were so many stories. He broadcast the kick six. So the Auburn-Alabama, when the kid catches the field goal that it comes up short and he runs all the way back for the touch, he did that game. And I didn't even get a chance to ask him about that. But from the kick six to Tanya and Nancy to the Duke-Kentucky game to the entire Cowboys of the 70s, America's team, through all the rest of it and more, the Masters, uh, just a legendary voice. And I am, I am endlessly grateful to him for taking that time today. Greeny with you, a quick word from DraftKings. Three title fights are taking place this weekend during UFC 259 in Vegas. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving all players a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use my name Greeny as the code. You'll get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code Greeny. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Al Michaels tomorrow, Costas Wednesday, Doc Emmerich Thursday, and Jim Nance Friday. Legendary Voices Week will continue. And I'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.